Brought to you by Soul Fire Productions. Hello and welcome to Mother the Mother. I am McLean McGowan. This podcast is an offering for all women to gather energetically, sister to sister, mother to mother, to co-create a sacred space for healing, educating, and sharing as we journey through motherhood and womanhood. It is such an incredibly powerful moment in time to be a woman, and I thank you for showing up on behalf of yourself and for all of the women in your lives, past, present, and future, to honor our matriarchal lines, all who came before, and all who will come after. Hi everyone, thank you so much for tuning in today. I am your host, McLean McGowan. As usual, it is such an honor to be here with you, co-creating this sacred space together as we move into the new year, 2021, which on one hand feels like this kind of deep exhale and then a deep, deep inhale of renewal and hope and strength as we move into this year. Last year was such a momentous year for all of us, some more than others, but all of us were greatly affected and touched by what came out of 2020. And there's this beautiful image that comes to mind that I've seen online of a being being in a chrysalis. And then 2021 is really about stepping into our new role, our new life chapter as Butterfly. It's always interesting for me personally when we hit the new year, hit January 1st or the first couple of weeks of January. There's so much on social media about manifesting your life you want, your perfect life, the the life that you're envisioning, manifesting, getting really clear, getting very intentional. And while I do agree with a lot of that, one thing I just want to speak to is that we also need to remember that we aren't controlling everything, right? It's so much of our lives is how we show up to the events of our lives. So I always bristle a little bit and I I fight within myself because on one hand, I want to get my calendar out. I want to have my goals that I'm reaching. I want to have things really dialed in. And then at the same time, I also really want to have faith and trust that I am exactly where I need to be right now, you know, today, and that I am able to handle whatever comes my way with strength and grace and love and peace over fear. So just interesting kind of watching my own internal triggers. But at the same time, you know, I do really believe that clarity is queen. And the more that we can dial that in and really envision for 2021 what we want for our lives. Do we want to move location? Do we want to be calling in a partner? Do we want to change careers? Do we now want to stay home with our kids and homeschool? You know, I mean, the options are endless, but I do think the more that we really connect to our true selves, the better we obviously are, right? We're better off being in our authentic selves. And sometimes it just takes a while and years and decades and we change and we grow and we outgrow others or others outgrow us, you know, it's it's a never an ending dance. So I just wanted to offer for any of you that might be struggling right now to get in the game or feeling all this pressure to do 2021 or certainly January perfectly, you know, just reminding yourself there is no perfect. It's all unfolding in divine timing. And we must trust our intuition. We must trust our gut to know that we are getting the lessons when we need to get them and that everything is actually unfolding as it needs to. You know, the things we just keep on doing, we keep on prioritizing sleep, 
and movement and really deep nourishing foods, especially during the winter when we are very vata, dry, cold, you know, get those really good fats in, get those animal fats, bone broths. If you do animal food or meats, you know, make it really super high grade, organic, grass fed, pasture raised, maybe introducing a little bit of raw milks in the evening to help you sleep and to ground you. If you're vegan doing, you know, mushroom soups or broths, veggie broths, bean soups, dolls, you know, really just going at that core level of nourishment will really help you as you step into this new year because we are our mind, our body, and our soul, and we're all equal components of all, so we need to honor them. So happy new year, everybody. As we move into the coming months, it is an exciting time. It is a huge opportunity to really go big with our dreams to help each other reach our dreams and to get clear and also know that at any given time, you have the right to change your mind. And I think we forget that. I certainly forget that. You might all of a sudden want to live somewhere else. And that's a real thing. That can be a real soul calling. So doing what you can do, steeping yourself in gratitude each and every day, and then also envisioning where you want to be going and what you want to be doing. And that's how we get through. That's how we get through each and every day. And we build a momentum and we build the life we want to be living and leading. I'm so excited to jump on in to today's episode with Sarah Jane Sandy. She is a friend. We met through our mutual friend, Rachel Ford, at Spirit Weavers Gathering a couple of years ago. And yeah, we were in really different parts of our lives. I was pregnant with Goldie Wolf. I was about six months pregnant, and we became friends. And, you know, we don't even talk that regularly. We maybe see each other every couple of years. But she's always someone that I see on social media, and I respect so greatly. And it was just a real gift to sit down and talk with her as she is newly postpartum, a new mama to a little boy. And it was just a joy to hear about her unexpected journey. I just love talking to people when they're really in the process of life. It's not like a year later or two years later, but really when you're in it, you can really hear viscerally what women are going through and experiencing. So that is a great joy. I hope you enjoyed the episode. If you or anyone you know are having fertility issues, please reach out to Sarah. All her info will be in the show notes. She is a wealth of knowledge. And, you know, fertility is a huge podcast topic, which I will be implementing more in this new year. It is a huge and growing issue in the United States of America. And I think from the 70s, it's down 50% at least. And I know so many people in their 20s even struggling with fertility. And you know, it's so interesting because we will go to the depths of medical care, medical treatment, blowing through our savings, and not even looking at nutrition, not even looking at stress, not even looking at the spirituality component, not even looking at the relationship between the woman and the man or the woman and the woman or whatever the the situation of the want wanting to be parents is, you know, there's so many components that come into bringing a soul earth side. And Sarah really helps women and couples connect to those deeper truths. I urge you to reach out to her if you're having any issues or questions. She is truly a healer and sending love out to all of you. Jayma. Hi, Sarah. 
Hi. I'm so happy to have you here. I'm so honored to be here. So oh, fun. Thank you. And you're a mama now. How many oh. weeks postpartum are you? I'm a mama now. Oliver is um, 14 weeks. Oh, wow. Or I should say, I'm sorry, it's already Thursday. So he'll be 15 weeks on Saturday. Wow. Yeah. How's it been going? You know, it's been going amazing. I mean, today, so just in the last day, he's had, you know, like just a little bit of a, my husband Ben's got a little head cold. And so Oliver has like just a little bit of a runny nose. And yesterday I could just tell that he was like tired and off. And I, I mean, it was like what people say, like my heart literally feels like it's like walking around outside of me and all day just to see him, you know, and he was like, not really in a lot of discomfort, but like I could feel that he was different than his normal, cheerful, super art, smiley, happy self. And it was just such a representation of like, wow, my heart is literally walking around outside of my body now. <laughs> it's so true. And it never stops. I mean, you kind of get used to it more, obviously, right. you know, as time marches on, but it's still, it's like every stage and age of your kid, it's just like, oh, you know, now, now we're dealing with a nine-year-old, we're dealing with like clicks and you know feeling left out and like all those things and that's so harsh on the mama bear because I'm just like exactly. <laughs> let mama me wield like, my sword <laughs> <laughs> and it's like really hard to like be like okay it's part of the learning journey as a child you know right yeah but well, that's even Ben last night was my husband was saying you know because he was like you just seem like really off today and I'm like I know because it's been so difficult and like almost painful for me to like witness Oliver just being a little uncomfortable and he was like this is going to be the first of many 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 Sarah and I was like I know I know but you know it's just yeah it was just a good reality like whew. yeah and it yeah. just it does always come back to gratitude and never taking you know the quote-unquote good days for granted because things happen and we just never know but you know I mean it is you know, to be honest too, when they're that tiny, it's, of course you're worried, you know, totally. and you're just like, Ugh, because you're, you're still getting your habits and your patterns and the flow of what yeah. this life is with a baby. Yeah. So this convo could go so many places. Um, you and I know each other. And I was just reflecting this morning, we met at Spirit Weavers three and a half years ago when I was pregnant with Goldie Wolf. Yeah. Through Absolutely. our friend Rachel and I was just remembering today that I was slightly more introverted than normal I mean I was pregnant too I'd driven up to Oregon by myself it was really a solo journey which I was really excited about and I remember that day I was kind of just feeling over the classes over all the people and you and I didn't even know each other that well and we just were like fuck it let's just skip the class and we'll go to the the beach of the river and it was so nice yeah, I remember I just, that. Yeah, it was so good. It kind of felt like naughty just because it's like, oh, you've paid for this time to take classes. But then it was also just so fabulous to actually mm -hmm. listen to what your heart and your body want, which is so much about what Spear Weavers is and also just like getting off the grid, slowing yeah. down. But I just remember yeah. that was such a, Sweet a beautiful time. time. Yeah, it was. Mm -hmm. And at that point, you were with another partner or mm -hmm. recently off with that partner and yep. between Denver and Hawaii. So where are you now? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I was still, I was sort of like in the 
kind of like progression of my divorce at the time. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, I was living in Kauai slash Boulder, um, more Kauai. I think after we met, I ended up like moving full time to mm -hmm. Kauai and now I'm back in Colorado, back in Boulder, um, and remarried with a brand new son. <laughs> Amazing. And it, it happened pretty quickly, right? Like just, can you briefly give us a yeah. nutshell? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, um, yeah, it happened very quickly. Um, ben, my husband and I met in May of um, last year, so 2019, um, on Memorial Day, we met actually online. And it was one of those stories of like, you know, everyone said like, you should online date, you should online date. And I was so resistant. I was like, I'm not online dating. Like, I'm not doing it. I just like, I, I that's not my personality. And, you know, I had a whole story around it. Um, and I had left Kauai and come back to Colorado and I was living in Denver alone, you know, in a home. And anyways, I finally, you know, one of my girlfriends was like, come on, let me just make you a profile. Like I'll do it, you know? And so <laughs> she did. And I think that was in April. Um, and anyways, Ben and I connected, he was literally my first and only. Wow. Day, oh my God. Hilarious. I love that. Um, so I had a very quick, brief, like, um, successful experience on it. Um, <laughs> But anyways, yeah, we connected on, on, you know, the online dating site, um, on hinge, we met on Memorial day. That was end of May. And then I left to Europe, um, on a seven week trip with some girlfriends, two weeks after Ben and I met, we kept in touch. I came home and six months after we met, we were pregnant in November. <laughs> wow. That's and, incredible. And I had, you know, I had been wanting a, a baby and a family for so long. I mean, you know, as, as I said, I was previously married and, and, um, that was like something I'd wanted a baby and a family, like my whole life. You know, I was like definitely one of those women who like knew I wanted to be a mama and, um, which led me into my work, which well, I'm sure we'll get into here in a minute. Um, but that was in my, you know, in my last marriage, that just like was not the way that the story was going by any means. And so, um, the way that the universe just sort of like brought what I'd been praying for and asking for and like, I mean, really intentionally calling in so, so deeply. And yet was also when I met Ben was so curious because I was in a time that I was finally like, okay, I'm good. I'm good alone. Like I'm good with myself. Like I'd done so much inner work and like, you know, just so much deep, dark, dark healing. And was like at a point that I was like, good. I was fine being single. I was like having a blast, just like living my life, living alone. And, you know, I'd really like come back into my own body and my own power. And then boom, I met, boom. I met Ben. And um, like the and, baby soul was just like, okay, you're ready. Boom. Exactly. <laughs> and, you know, I always say like, so I got pregnant in like a really super interesting way in which I literally ovulated two days before I was supposed to start my moon to bleed. Wow. <laughs> like I was so not at all in what I thought was like my fertile window. I mean, like, this is what I do for a living is like teach women about fertility and their cycles and how to get pregnant. And I, I ovulated on cycle day 27. I was supposed to bleed on cycle day 29 and Oliver, you know, came in. And I think it was, it was fully spirit being like, no, like the, now is the time because I know that Ben and I both would have sort of taken 
the slow path. You know, we had just met six months earlier. And even though we were really connected and we both knew that we, you know, I think we really were like committed to each other. And we talked about, we both wanted a family and, you know, everything was in alignment. And yet we just met, like we were still getting to know each other. And so we definitely would not have like chosen to get pregnant at that time by any means. And then COVID happened. And I know that COVID would have happened and we would have started questioning even more so. Totally. So I think spirit was like, actually, it's like now it's happening. And <laughs> so it did. And um, Actually now. Actually I got, now. I got chills because I just, uh, I just love hearing how the story unfolds for each woman, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's just so often it does happen when we, don't feel like we quote unquote need it and we're fulfilled in other ways. And it's just so interesting how that happens. But then I just love the piece that this is what you do for work (laughs) on like the physical kind of the physical plane level. But then it's also just this whole other spiritual level, you know, that we can't control and just how cool that is that that will inform your work so much now too. I, I mean, I know you and so I know it already has, but just living that experience. I just, I find like the whole thing just so cool. And birth in general and pregnancy in general. I mean, it's so fascinating when these souls come in. Yeah. One question I had, which, you know, you can always say you don't want to share because I know people's privacy, but when you were talking about it wasn't aligning with your first marriage, Mm -hmm. a pregnancy, was that based on like a fertility thing or was it just like, oh no, the timing just isn't right in our relationship to have a kid now? It was really based on my ex-husband, like five years into our marriage was like, I don't think I want kids. Mm, Yeah which, you know, we had gone into that relationship, definitely like in alignment around wanting kids. Clearly what I do for a living is again, like fertility work and pregnancy. And I mean, that is like my, my whole sort of world. And so it was very clear how that I wanted children. And, um, so yeah, um, you know, a few years into our marriage, it was sort of like a come to, come to reckoning moment for him where he came to me and was like, I really don't actually think I want kids. And that was sort of like the tip of the iceberg. It was like the first domino that fell where there was a whole huge amount of other stuff that unfolded after that. But that was really like the driving force that started to sort of deteriorate our relationship. And, you know, at one point I was so committed to him and I was so committed to that relationship that at one point I really did, you know, have this experience of like, maybe I'm not meant to be a mother in this lifetime. Like maybe that's actually not my path because it was like, am I going to choose between my partner, my love, or like having a child, which would mean like leaving that relationship and going out into the world to hopefully find someone that I connected with, you know, that I wanted to spend my life with and be the father of my child. And that just felt so like crazy. Like there's no way that I will ever find someone like that. You know, I was so committed to my, my, that relationship to that um, marriage. And then, you know, as should have it, like the universe had other plans where lots of other things happened where, you know, we really weren't actually a good fit like Mm -hmm. way beyond just the kid thing. Like we really were not a good fit in the long run. Um, But it, you know, it took a, like I had to really examine my deepest desires and like really question like what those are. Mm -hmm. And now coming full circle, I'm so glad that I didn't abandon what I truly knew inside of my heart was that like, I really wanted to be a mom. I really wanted to be a mom. And I knew that I knew that was my path. Um, and yet it just wasn't with him. 
And that's like, I have so much gratitude that that wasn't my path, that I didn't go down that path with him because now doing this journey, like, and it's amazing, but it's intense and it's hard and it's difficult and challenging. And he was not the partner that could have been supportive to me um, having a child. And I'm so grateful for Ben um, mm-hmm. because he really is like the, I, I couldn't like think of a better father, honestly. Mm-hmm. So that's amazing. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Cause I just love that piece of really following your gut and intuition. And it's so hard because like you're saying, it's kind of like putting your life in the hands of the unknown of just like, mm-hmm. I think there's this burning ember within me, but maybe I can live with it, but maybe it's going to rage into a fucking fire if I don't yeah. acknowledge it and have a kid. And, and I know with some people in my life that, you know, in hindsight, it really works out that they didn't have kids, but then I do know women that did really want it. And I think that's a very hard thing to live with yeah. your whole life. If you really on a soul level wanted a baby and it, you didn't have it, you know, absolutely. so I just send so much love out to all those women that have that because again, we all have a different journey, but it does so come back to really putting ourselves first and what we know inside versus what we're kind of used to judging from the outside. Yep. Well, and, and, you know, I, personally experienced it. I work with many, many clients. I have very good girlfriends that are sort of in the situation where it's this, um, you know, the like staying in relationships because it's that are good enough or maybe like, okay, this is working, even though I am like putting these embers, these deep burning desires of mine aside to accommodate the relationship that's actually not really serving, but let's so terrifying to walk out the door and like go into the unknown of like, who knows what's out there. So I'll just play safe and play small and stay here when that's really not, you know, it's, it's not serving our highest selves in any way, but it's so terrifying to leave. It's so terrifying to leave. Um, so, you know, I have a lot of, a lot of clients that I work with in that regard where I can sort of sense that the fertility ish, you know, issues is sort of an odd word, but like the fertility complications or struggles are stemming more from like a deep spiritual disconnect of the relationship and less about like anything that's physically going on with either of the bodies, you yeah, know? Totally. I but love that's the- a hard one to come with. Yeah, it is. And I love that book, Spirit Babies. It's one of my favorites. Have you read that? Do you know Spirit Babies? Yeah. Yeah. I love that book so much. Just for anyone that's just interested in children, or if you've had miscarriages, or you have your own children that are with us, you know, it's just a book I recommend for everyone. But for people having fertility issues uh, for years, you know, the way he explains it and reads these soul babies and communes with these souls, babies, it's just amazing. And that's one of the biggest things in his, this is a man who's a medium. And when he connects to the babies, you know, they're communing with him that they're not coming down until it feels like a ready home. And that is so spiritual between both partners or even like just if the woman's even single, just with the mom being in alignment spiritually. And because you think about it, it's like, why would you want to come into a chaotic, abusive, even just a dirty or like kind of toxic house where it's not cleaned and there's just shit everywhere. It's like, that's not really like a place you want to land. 
So I always think, you know, it's, there's so many pieces to it. There's the physical, spiritual, emotional, and then even beyond that, that we don't even know or see. Motherhood, as we know, is full on. Each new age and stage of our children's development brings vast new lessons, challenges, and victories. It is a lot to hold. And my intention for creating Mom Club is to create a safe and healing space for mothers to gather together. It has been an especially intense time through this portal of 2020, and many of us found ourselves mothering in new ways, working, partnering, showing up for ourselves and each other in completely new ways as we cannot connect as much in person. We need support. We need to sit in circle. We need to feel seen and we need to feel heard. We need to vent and let it go. We need to know that we are in this together, not isolated and alone. So please join us if you are wanting to circle up with sisters, if you're wanting to find your tribe, if you find that you feel isolated or not jiving with your friends or you've moved and you don't have a set of mom friends near you, please join us in this virtual circle where we are co-creating a sacred space for dropping into meditation, having an oracle card read, having a chosen topic discussed each month, as well as plenty of time for Q&A. I want this to be a real community where we can connect and share practitioners and resources, where we can find other women on the call nearby and connect in real life. This is a co-creating a circle of trusted sisters. We will circle up, grab a hot mug of tea, light our candle or incense, and drop in with a listening ear and an open heart. If this sounds good to you, check out my Instagram at Mother the Mother, the link tree in my bio. If you sign up, subscribe, I will send you all the deets for the next mom club. We are rolling it out. We started in December, but now we got the momentum moving through into 2021. So please join us. I'm really excited about this community. It's lit. It's on and we're doing it. Jema. So we've kind of been assuming that people know what you do, but in your own words, how are you showing up in your work now and what brought you to it? So my, um, so I'm a certified nutrition therapist. Um, I, so I practice functional nutrition, uh, working with women and couples in regards to fertility optimization. So I work with couples who are trying to conceive couples who are, you know, wanting to consciously conceive. So they're just wanting to prepare their bodies in preparation for conception. And then I also work with women through the pregnancy process into the postpartum. And I also work with lots of women not wanting to get pregnant or have babies, but are just really trying to heal their hormones. So women who have PCOS or endometriosis or fibroids or like horrendous PMS, um, irregular cycles, like you name it, anything that's kind of hormonally based. I work with women who have migraines, sleep issues. I mean, it's like all over the place. Um, so I work with women in sort of all of those regards and I work with women in a one-on-one, um, component. So I see clients all over the world remotely. And then I also developed an online offering, um, about three, four years ago. Now I launched it in 2016. That's called the fertility code. So it's a 12 week online program that walks women and couples through 12 modules. So one module per week, um, in regards to everything on how to optimize fertility. So I go through food, I go through supplements and gut health and thyroid health, adrenal health, stress, exercise, conscious conception, environment, um, the psychosomatic emotional piece, sort of like all the realms to take into consideration to prepare the body 
for pregnancy. And that's with women who, you know, I work with women and couples who have had, you know, five failed IVFs and couples who are thinking they want to get pregnant in 12 months, like, and everything in between. So Mm -hmm. I work with lots of women who are already doing more conventional based fertility treatments like IUI or IVF, um, egg donors, surrogates, et cetera. And then couples who are really, you know, trying naturally and just wanting to figure out like, why isn't this happening as easy as we may have thought it would. That sounds amazing. What an incredible course. Uh, What are you seeing right now that, I mean, I know all of the things you just said are applicable and huge on the topic of infertility, but what right now are you think, are you seeing as the biggest, maybe like top three things that are preventing people from pregnancy or, you know, attributing to the infertility rates of this country? So I would say the top three would be low progesterone levels, usually due to stress or estrogen dominance stress because we live in the modern world where like so many women are just really spread super, super thin. The adrenals and the ovaries basically compete for the same raw materials to either make cortisol to go down the adrenal pathway or to make progesterone to make a baby. Mm -hmm. And because the adrenals and the cortisol pathway is necessary for survival, the body will always preferentially shunt resources and energy down that pathway on behalf of making progesterone. And progesterone is basically like the pregnancy hormone, progestation. So it's the hormone that comes on the scene after we ovulate and is basically the hormone that we need in good, robust amounts to sustain the viability of the newly fertilized embryo until the placenta takes over around 12 weeks of pregnancy. So it's super duper important and it's probably, I mean, I I do a lot of hormone testing with women And it's not exaggerating one bit. Nine out of 10 women have low progesterone levels. Again, I'm mostly seeing women who are struggling to conceive. So therefore, yes, I probably see a whole lot more of low progesterone because it's one of the most common reasons. Um, And stress is a big driver of that. Um, Estrogen dominance is another big driver, which is due to environmental toxins. Like that's the huge thing that I see as playing a big role in sort of this kind of like an infertility, infertility epidemic, to be honest, yeah. where there's like, I mean, it's getting more, you know, 10 years ago, it was like one in seven couples, you know, three years ago it was one in five. Now I think they say one in three and like, it's continuing um, yeah. in that direction that more and more and more couples are unable to conceive. And so the exposure to toxins in our environment is like, unlike we've ever, ever been exposed to in human history. And a lot of those chemicals and toxins impact our super delicate reproductive organs the most. Like our reproductive organs are incredibly sensitive. Our reproductive system is like, I always say it's like the bottom on the, on the totem pole of, of survival. It's at the bottom. The body does not deem making a baby necessary at all. And so if there's anything going on upstream in the body, like liver, gut health, kidney, you know, like all the systems that have to deal with sort of the onslaught of chemicals and toxins in our world, the reproductive system basically shuts off because it's like, whoa, not a good time to have a baby. We're just going to shut this process off as a way to like essentially protect the the primary organism um, until the 
environment is more deeming appropriate to have a baby. So environmental toxins are huge. Many of them are estrogen based. So a lot of the chemicals in our food, water, body care products, air, you know, you name it, are estrogen based. So we get this huge load of estrogen, which naturally depletes progesterone. Those two hormones work like a seesaw. So as estrogen goes up, progesterone goes down. So that's a, that's a really biggie. And then I would say the third, so if I, yeah, toxins, lifestyle, low progesterone due to stress. There, I mean, they all Those kind of probably, add, you know, add into each other too. Yeah. Exactly. I was going to say, they all just sort of like interweave with each other, to be honest. Well, so one thing that I've noticed, and I've had this conversation with a couple of my different friends, is I'm noticing a trend in just things I've read. And then also I had a fertility Ayurvedic person on a couple of months ago who wrote a book and it had amazing statistics in it, um, which were harrowing. I mean, it was something like, I wish I'd remembered them now, but something like since the 70s, it's like fertility's almost, it's like doubled in 30, or like even more than doubled. I mean, it just, it's pretty astounding. I mean, if you're saying one in three couples, like that's a real yeah. thing um, real that thing. we all should be concerned about whether we even want kids or not, because it's also like, what is that setting up for our own ch- children? You know, like I would like my girls to be able to have babies if they want to have babies. Yeah. But one thing I am seeing is, and on Instagram and influencers and stuff, the women that are kind of quote unquote killing it in their business, seeing a lot of infertility. And so it's an interesting thing to look at that super driven, successful, working, hustling entrepreneurship and, you know, seemingly have everything under the world that you could want, except they can't get pregnant for five years, you know, or three years. Um, And I see it in my friends too. And so it's just, um, you know, obviously no judgment and at all, but it's just something that has been very interesting to me to look at when I am looking at all the statistics, because it's also like, you know, women that may be more off the grid and less ambitious and way more flowing in life and their divine feminine get pregnant like that. <laughs> totally. You know? Yeah. What are your yeah. thoughts on that? Yeah. I mean, it's so interesting because honestly, that's a huge population of my clientele is that is like, the the movers and the shakers and the drivers and the like the push 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 and sort of the type a personality and just like you know have made an incredible career for themselves and are just like in all aspects killing it like you said and what's taken a toll is their reproductive systems and not just their reproductive systems but their adrenals and their thyroid their gut And then of course the reproductive system, like those all go hand in hand. So what I do with clients is like, first and foremost, we look at their hormones because I think that sheds so much information. And I look at adrenals and I look at thyroid and then we look at estrogen and progesterone and testosterone because when people can actually see like, oh, wow, right. Okay. Like there's some like legitimate stuff going on. It's really and yeah. what I found helpful for, for people to like actually have an understanding and a, and a motivation to like, you know, make the necessary changes that aren't super easy unless there's like, I mean, I should say one of the reasons I love the work that I do is that when people, when a, when a woman wants a baby, like she will do almost anything. Like <laughs> I laugh, yeah. and, like you could literally be like, you know, whatever, to do some crazy obscure thing and they'll for sure do it because yes, high motivation primal desire for a baby is 
so strong. Um, but yeah, it, I think that it's really that like adrenal piece, that stress and adrenal piece, which is so readily tied to fertility. And, and we hear stories all the time of like people that have been trying for six, seven years, and then they're finally like, give up, we're over it, you know, and then they go on vacation and whatever, take two months sabbatical and boom, they're pregnant. Like it yeah. happens all the time. It's so all the real, time. It's so you know? interesting. Yeah. They're like, we're finally given up. And then it's like two weeks later, they're pregnant. Exactly. And that's what's, you know, that's the other harder, hard part is like, they, you know, for whatever reason you can't get pregnant, then the stress of not being able to get pregnant feeds that cycle even more. And then we start down sort of like the more conventional fertility route. And now we're administering like shots and injections and pills. And like, it's just, that's so stressful physically, mentally, emotionally, financially. Like, it's just a really, unfortunately, like vicious cycle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so interesting. And I've I've been listening to some different voices. I mean, I don't personally have that much judgment around anything. I mean, I really am so into everyone having their own freedom and what works best for their own body and their mm-hmm. family. Um, but I have been seeing different discussions, which is just interesting. I always like questioning things because as new technologies come in and then you get used to them. Like we're so used to Botox now. We're so used to silicone boobs. We're so used to these things that are actually really not good for us, right? Yeah. So like we're getting now so used to IVF and even surrogacy and um, they're really morally complicated, you know, for a lot of people. Um, and I know probably a lot of your clients go through that as well. Yeah. And I don't, wanna, I don't wanna really get into that discussion as much here, but what I am interested in is, do you see any negative side effects or a backlash from doing the IVF and in, in ingesting that much hormones, whether they end up getting pregnant or whether they've kind of gone through the whole thing and then it didn't end up with you know pregnancy that stayed? 100% yes, 100% yes. I mean, actually like kind of a big sort of other arm of my work is, like phase two of helping women detox in that word is charged, but like essentially just like helping support their detoxification systems of the body to rid all of those excess hormones, medications, you know, I mean, women are put on the first thing that when a, when a woman is getting ready to do one of these cycles, medicated cycles, they're put on birth control pills, like, which is like crazy to me. I'm like, wait, 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 you know? And again, you can, you know, you can like be an affirmed consumer and say like, I, I don't really want to do that. It's usually more of a scheduling thing. Like they got to get uh, your cycle all lined up so that they can get you on their schedule, but you know, to fit in sort of in there. Oh, like, that's interesting. I never thought of that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's really mm-hmm. why they do it. Um, but again, it's, so it's just, it's a lot of hormones and, you know, there's things like, you know, letrozole, which is a primary medication used in IUIs, um, which basically like hyperstimulates the ovaries is also used for breast cancer. You know, it's Femera is like the, the brand name. And so it's, yeah, there's like some scary pieces of, um, just the intensity of the amount of sort of medications. I always suggest, you know, if women are wanting to explore that route, which again, I am fully in support, like you said, of however it works out and whatever you're comfortable with. But I always do suggest, you know, trying a non-medicated IUI cycle first. Yeah. You know, so often doctors are just like, let's do the, let's throw you on 
clomid or letrozole, where it's like, let's just try a non-medicated IUI cycle and see how that goes. Um, You know, non-invasive or as least invasive as possible, um, at least straight out of the gate kind of thing. And, you know, the other thing that I, the thing I actually really um, love doing is actually working with women who are going through IVF and IUI. Like I love when they reach out to me because when we can support the body with food, you know, with just good lifestyle practices and really good nutrients, then at least their body can shuttle out all of the excess hormones and medications and, you know, prescription drugs, et cetera, that they're taking, like their liver is in better shape and their guts in better shape. And they just set themselves up for better success where it always sort of blows my mind where if a couple isn't able to conceive for say, you know, two years, and then they go and they meet with a reproductive endocrinologist and they're like, yep, you guys are candidates for IVF. That's where we should go. And then we go straight into that where it's like, well, like we never even address the root cause of what is going on here. Like no one's asking like, Hey, how do you sleep at night? Like, what did you eat for breakfast this morning? Do you move your body? What's your relationship like with your partner? Do you drink filtered water? Like, you know, just really basic stuff. Like those aren't even questions. I mean, I get clients that come to me that legitimately have been trying to conceive for six, seven years, you know, have been in and out of the ringer of the fertility conventional world. And again, no one's ever even asked these questions. And it just sort of pains me, like how much money could we have saved? How much time, how much like emotional hardship? Um, Because a lot of times those women are like pretty broken by the time they come to me, like really broken down physically, financially, emotionally, you know, it's brutal. It's so brutal. And I mean, I just love that you're there and you're this angel that can help women. Mm -hmm. It's just my heart when you're talking goes out to them so much because the system is just not, serving women you know we have a broke ass medical system and it just sucks so thank god you exist and and to even put words to that you know of like you're going through all this hormonal up and down because you know probably three or four of the male doctors are just like yeah it's all normal you're doing fine and so to be like no let's really help you detox naturally let's help you clean out while you're in process let's put all the foods in which of course then affects your mood and everything you know and and you know, you don't want to be broken before you've even gotten Got pregnant because then exactly. that's a whole journey of, you know, right. it's, it's no walk in the park, you know, for most of us and then yeah. birth and labor and then postpartum and absolutely. And then how is all of that that you're carrying? I mean, that's going to inform your postpartum. That's going yeah. to inform your motherhood. So yeah, it all adds on top of the other. So I'm so glad you're doing the work that you are doing because it's, it is truly incredible. And yeah. And, Thank you. you know, cleaning up on the other side as well, cleaning up the vessel, because, you know, with, we, we also just don't know, you know, with so much of that's going on right now with all the, the vaccines, even like pre COVID vaccine, just like the schedule for babies and kids. Now it's not looking good, but we don't even know what it, what it's going to be in 20 years from the mistakes oh, we're making really? now, you know? So I think that's something that people really need to consider is whatever's cutting edge right now. Doesn't mean it's good or great you know it is like what's now but that doesn't I mean people you know we constantly are looking back 20 years ago and going how the hell did that happen how did that drug get passed you know absolutely yeah so what are what's the kind of diet protocol that you like uh with your functional nutrition that you see that works really well for increasing fertility chances 
Yeah. I would say first and foremost, like eat real food and eat real yeah. food diet, which is basically like, <laughs> I say this to clients all the time. I'm like, you know, when you're thinking about putting something in your mouth, think, would my great grandmother recognize this as food, as something that she could like grow on her backyard farm or like trade with her neighbor or get at her little like corner market? You know, if she wouldn't recognize what you're about to put in your mouth, it's not food, like yeah. put it down. It's not, Which you know, is crazy to say crazy. that. <laughs> Literally. And when you like think about it, I mean, for a lot of people, when that's a really becomes real, it's like 95% of what they're eating yeah. is not real food. You know, yeah. the body like legitimately does not recognize it as food. So that's like my primary foundation is just getting back to this idea of eating real food and then um, choosing organic or as clean as possible. I think that's the other thing. Again, it's yeah. crazy that we live in a world where we even have to say that, but like we have to say that, you know, yeah. that eat food that has not been sprayed with insecticides and fungicides and injected with hormones and steroids and antibiotics, like, you know, so that's oh, like yeah. kind of like step number two. And then in regards specifically to fertility, I, I, a huge focus on high quality fats. You know, that's something that I think that now, like we've made major leaps and bounds from like the eighties or even, even like yeah. the early two thousands where like, I'm still work with lots of women who are like, wait a second. Like I, I'm, I can't eat fat. What do you mean? You know, yeah. where I always explain to women that cholesterol is actually the mother hormone. So yeah. she turns into estrogen and progesterone and testosterone and our cortisol, our adrenal hormones, like all of the hormones that have to work in perfect orchestra to make a baby, to drop the hormones when they need to, to release the egg, to have a viable pregnancy, you know, a viable embryo that actually like implants successfully and have a healthy full-term pregnancy. Fat is one of those, the main sort of constituents um, for the fertility conception mm -hmm. process. And then for sure for the pregnancy and the postpartum process is like massive. massive. So, and milk production and brain development and, and exactly. baby will suck everything out of us. Like they'll, they will literally suck our brains away. Totally. Like mom brain is real. That's because the fat from our brain has been sucked out through our boobs. Exactly. So it's like really, really it's big. So and true. it's so funny. I was telling my girlfriend the other day, there's that great brand called fat in the moon, but there's yeah. something even when I read it, it like triggers me because like fat is just in like my unconscious is such a negative, <laughs> whatever programming. You know? And it's just funny to witness that myself. Um, and I've, I've made peace with fat and I'm incorporating more and more fat. And I'm actually like on a raw dairy thing right now for the fat, which has really been interesting. But Amazing. anyway, anyway, yeah. yeah, I think women really have to get over the fear of fat. And even if you get fat, you know, who cares? Totally. You're supposed to be fat when you have a baby, you know, you're supposed to totally. hold on to weight postpartum. Like it's, it's not forever. It's a finite amount of time, but it's like, where are your priorities? You know, you're going to, you know, anyway. No, absolutely. And that's, so you bring, you like kind of, that was a good segue into, that's another thing that I see, you know, especially, so I live in Boulder, Colorado and, um, uh, here in, in this community in Colorado, like Denver, Boulder area, I'd see a ton. I mean, I work with clients all over the country, but I see it a ton here in my like local community is women are, you know, the, the drive for fit and thin and like, exercise to like the next level 
impacts fertility like it does. Yeah. You know, if we yeah. look at fertility goddess representations from like long ago, they were like these voluptuous, mm -hmm. big chested, like big hips, like women, you yeah. know, and With now fat on their body, <laughs> totally like a lot of fat on their thighs yeah. and their hips yeah. and their butt and their, you know, that's like, that was the symbol of fertility. Like if you were a thin woman, that was actually like, we, you would be looked at as like, you weren't as fertile, you know, yeah. which is so interesting. Again, like totally. It's, well, you, and you weren't as as good marriage material. I mean, oh, you know, it's kind of that that archetype of like the the skinny old aunt that never got married. You know, it's so true. And so, I mean, I see it a lot, a lot, a lot in my practice. Where, you know, we live in a world where, like, again, it's not even something that we need to like remind. But like, we right. live in a world where there's this representation of like what we're supposed to look like as women, like what is beautiful and what is sexy. And so there's a lot of striving for that. And that is a massive impact on fertility. So what that goes, so there, there's another one of like, what do I think are the top things that are like impacting fertility? That's huge. Along with on the completely other side is, you know, we also have a lot of overweight, you know, yeah. like a lot of, um, yeah women and, and, and humans, um, in our modern world that like are carrying lots of excess weight on their body, which is where a lot of toxins are stored in our fat tissue. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it wrecks havoc on hormones just as much as being too thin, right? Like yeah. both yeah. of those regards. So, totally. um, so yeah, anyways, I think that, um, the fat piece is huge. Like I taught, it's the one thing that I talk to with, like every single client is like, okay, let's get real about. And I always say this, like eat more fats than you think is like appropriate. <laughs> I say that all the time because you know what I'm, I'm saying like, you know, eat grass fed butter and ghee and avocados and nuts and seeds and egg yolks. And if you eat, you know, fish and seafood like that and like really lots of coconut oil, lots of coconut milk, like mm -hmm. not just like a little like tablespoon here or there kind of thing, you know, yeah. because that's really without the building blocks, the body can't even make the hormones or make good quality eggs. And for men, sperm, sperm are like little flying fat torpedoes. So ah. without enough fat coming in, <laughs> they make like really crappy sperm, you know? Interesting. That's going to be a new image for me in sperm. That torpedo. <laughs> Literally. Like I, whenever I see them, like that's what I see. Like they're composed totally of fat and they're like these little flying torpedoes. Well, it makes so much sense. And yeah, it really does make so much sense. And that must be such a debriefing for you, which is the fat component. Do you see like meat versus not meat to be a big issue? Or is that is it really more about the fat? You know, I don't really. Um I think, you know, this is what I tell people all the time, finding a way of eating that works for your like individual biochemistry mm -hmm. is what is most important, you know? And, and that doesn't mean like, I mean, if you want to be vegan, be vegan. If you want to eat meat, eat meat. If you're going to eat meat, then you absolutely a hundred percent. It needs to be like the highest quality you can possibly get your hands on. Yeah. It needs to be organic. It needs to be grass fed. Ideally support your local farmers and if you're going to be vegan, be a responsible vegan, which means like you're not just eating packaged processed carbohydrates all day long. Like you need to be eating properly soaked, cooked lentils and legumes and quinoa and grains and veggies and tons of fats and like be responsible yeah. in both regards. Like however yeah. you choose to eat, um, it's 
being responsible in your food choices, environmentally and individually and, you know, personally. I think that's such an important key because, you know, the past kind of 20 years, it was veganism, vegetarianism, meat eater. Now we've got like paleo, keto, you know, blah, 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 caveman. And there's so many options, but it really does come down to healthy, real food. I mean, that's the, the center point. And it's so easy just to attach labels, but you know, real food isn't that sexy, but it's like, that's the thing, right? That's the thing that's going to heal us all and help us all. Exactly. And then what are kind of the bigger ways that you find yourself working with couples to get through this? Like, because I see with my own clients, sometimes there can just be such a kind of resentment if there's fertility stuff going on, you know, sex can become such like a have to. And I just actually did put a podcast episode out last week with this amazing male midwife who does the mind calendar and the moment, yeah, it's, it's worth listening to. It's really fascinating too. For us just to know ourselves and our kids moving forward throughout life. But in the mind calendar, the moment of conception is a huge foundation. Literally that moment, which is so interesting because obviously a lot of us weren't conceived in like the most conscious Mm -hmm. sober way, right? (laughs) Um, And then also questions like surrogacy and how that affects the family dynamic and IVF and how that affects if it's not like the more natural, you know, penis and vagina vibe. So um, that's just kind of like another level, but I was really talking with him a lot about the male female. That's why I brought him up is just how the emotions of the man make such a huge difference. And the emotions of the mother make such a huge difference and in the, in the baby for the rest of their life. So I'm just curious what you're saying between couples and how you kind of get them on board together. Yeah. You know, my, the thing that I see, oh, well, it depends. It's sort of, okay, there's a couple of things. One, it depends on sort of where in the trajectory of the process they are. You know, when, when couples come to me where they've just started trying, maybe they've been trying for six to eight months, you know, in my world, that's like itty bitty time, you know? Um, and so there's, st- they're starting to get that, like, you know, we're planning set, we're tracking ovulation, like we're, you know, making sure we have sex on the days, which, you know, for a lot of people, like is not what they're used to. It's not what they've been doing. It definitely takes away the spontaneity of things. And so there's, you know, but it's like a beginning of that versus someone, a couple that I work with who are now maybe like two years down the line and are going, have already done two or three IUIs now are on the IVF track. I mean, it's like, very programmed, very sort of like, you know, there is no spontaneity. They're not even trying naturally anymore at this point because they're being advised not to. So there's like no pleasure, sex for pleasure kind of thing happening. And so, you know, I really try to remind couples like, remember why you wanted to do this in the beginning. Like, remember, you know, the foundation of like the partnership, the two entities, there's the A entity, the B, the, the, you know, the female and the male. And then the third entity is like the baby and the the collective of, of the three of you. And remember like the love and the attraction and the commitment and the like desire and the pleasure from at the very beginning that like drew you together because that, I think when that fire isn't there, that's gotta be playing a role. I mean, I just, I really believe that it, again, Mm -hmm. at like a deeper sort of spiritual, emotional level, that innate primal way that we conceive 
if that is not existing, like we don't have that desire for our partners anymore, or that's been totally sucked out of the experience of like the sexual experience, that's playing a role in just in the, the creation of conception. Like I really believe that. And so I do yeah. try to remind couples like whatever you need to do to find that, you know, if that means like you cap the time on fertility discussions, you plan, you know, things out of the house that sexual or not, but like just spending time together, we're like, you're not talking about fertility. You're not talking about baby making yeah. or like anything around it. Like you're just, just be with each other. And then like, you know, have to have whatever kind of sexual experience, whether it's like intercourse or not, but like some kind of pleasurable experience where you're not thinking about baby as the outcome. Like totally. again, and, and it's one of those things where you really have to like, remember to do that and kind of couples have to like really integrate that in because for a lot of it, the spontaneity and like the pleasure part of it is not there anymore. Once you're like far down that fertility world, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. ah, that's so deep. Yeah. Because also I can imagine that takes really you know, quite a bit of conscious repair on the other side too, even if after baby's here. Totally. Well, and you know, I think the other thing that I see a lot is, especially if it's sort of like, maybe this is like their second or their third, you know, fertility treatment where like, often I see it with the husband is the husband's like, I'm done. Like, this yeah. is like draining our relationship. This is draining our bank account. This is draining like the life out of us. Like, why are we doing this? And mm -hmm. the woman at that point is sort of like, so committed, which I get, like we talked about that, like primal desire for a baby. There is no end. Like yeah. the well is so deep. And yeah. so to just say like, okay, well, I guess it didn't work moving on. Like no, I can't imagine, like try to put myself in that situation. And so there does become, start to become sort of this like resentment where like the husband is like, you know, in resentment of like, oh my God, why are we, this is like killing us. And the wife is like, I really want a baby. You know, I mean, it's the impact, yeah. emotional impact on the relationship is like no joke for sure. No joke. And I just, when you're sharing that, I can just so empathize with both sides you know totally. there's there's no right or wrong it's just you you can really see because if you didn't have that guttural primal fire within you of, of course it's like this doesn't really make sense we're like two hundred thousand dollars in the hole and we're not having sex and yeah. you're we're miserable you know yeah, yeah. not that that's everyone's story but i'm just saying like well is there anything I mean, we could just go on forever, but is there yeah. anything for a woman that's listening today that may have gone through the journey or is currently in the infertile process or journey that you just would like to say something to that maybe, yeah, yeah, you could help? You know, I think going back to what we were speaking a bit about earlier, which is, you know, if you're not looking at sort of the way that you're eating, living, moving, relating in your life, if that has not been yet something that you've incorporated, call me or like, you know, there's lots of other people that do what I do, like to really take that into consideration um, and not sort of just kind of follow the guideline of like, well, I guess we can't get pregnant naturally. So I guess our next option is IVF. You know, that's just, that's so not the truth. It's really not. And there's so many things that we can do to, to support the reproductive system from the ground up and really just like implementing some super foundational ways of living that can 
completely change your ability to conceive and have a healthy full-term pregnancy. So I would say, you know, if that's not, if you're not looking at all those different aspects of eating and living and being in the world, do that. Like before you spend another 20 grand, you know, because there's, again, I just can't say how many times I've talked to women that say, I get off the phone with them and they're like, why didn't anybody tell me this before? Like, why didn't anyone tell me this five years ago, two years ago, six months ago? So that's where I feel like I can just be a real support for, for couples and women in the, in, you know, in the pregnancy and postpartum period and too, and women who like have had excruciating PMS since they were 14 years old and now they're 36 and like still have been to a million doctors and like, can't figure out what's going on. But again, like, has anyone asked you how you eat, live, work, sleep, stress, move, you know, like not usually. So really just like taking a step back and looking at like the pretty simple foundational things can make such a big difference for women. I love that. It's so, it's so crucial and it's so important and it is such important work. And, you know, I think pregnancy is one of those totems where it really can change us for the better because it actually can make us start looking for fulfillment in all the areas of our life, which, you know, we, we haven't really been modeled that in our society and to actually put ourselves first. And that's not selfish. It's actually just like, how can we actually be a healthy, full human being? And another piece is like, there's nothing to lose, you know? So you get healthier in your diet, your mind and your soul. Like that's a really great starting point. Yeah. And, and to heal the things, because I think that also we're so taught. And again, like our OBs aren't asking these questions. Our healthcare are not asking the well-rounded questions, but, you know, statistically in this country, you know, more of us than not have been sexually abused and that must be playing a role in infertility, Absolutely. you know, and sexuality. Okay. And so if you have not healed those aspects of yourself, you know, now is the time to do that. So true. So true. Because if you don't heal it, it will come up. I mean, I see it come up in labor and delivery, you know, yeah. it's huge and it comes up in postpartum big time and breastfeeding and just wanting to be even touched by your partner, you know, ever and all of that. Well, thank you for your work. It's really it's oh, so important you. and I will be sending lots of people your way. if They reach out oh. to me. My signature Mother the Mother coaching sessions support your journey through womanhood and motherhood in mind, body, and spirit. These coaching sessions meet you where you are now with the aim of where you want to go. Whether you are entering into a new relationship, you're wanting to conceive, you're newly pregnant, approaching your birth in the midst of your postpartum shift, or a mother needing to reclaim her space, or maybe needs a little bit of extra help handling the demands of motherhood. I'm here to support your intentions and your goals. My expertise lies in helping you empower yourself as you deepen into your innate knowing. I'm here to help you align and remember. Through a spiritual yet grounded lens, I help you navigate the topics that arise in transiting through the ages and stages of life, and especially when bringing new life earthside. We are not meant to travel from maiden to mother alone. We need support, we need education, and we need guidance. My intention is to support you, the mother, as you mother. In our society, we are often taught to look outside of ourselves for the answers, and I am here to help you turn inward to find the answers you already possess. 
If you are interested in working together, please email me or you can go to the link tree in the bio on Instagram at Mother the Mother or you can email me McLean at MotherTheMother.com and we can schedule a free discovery call to see if this is the right time in your life for this kind of coaching. What I do know is 2021 is now the time to go big, to manifest and envision the lives we want to be leading, the kinds of mother we want to be showing up as, the kind of life we want to bring forward. So I'm here to support you, to guide you, to be here on the path with you. We are in it together, always sending love, J-Ma. What, what has your experience been like? What was your pregnancy, your yeah. delivery like? And if there's anything postpartum that pleasantly surprised you and then was a challenge that you didn't see coming? My pregnancy was like um, blissful, amazing. Like I just love, I loved being oh. pregnant. Um, I mean, my, you know, my first 17 weeks were like raw with a lot of nausea and like, you know, yeah. the normal fatigue and stuff. But honestly, I loved being pregnant so much. Mm. I, I just, I, I just couldn't like, I wanted to be pregnant forever. Like I was just, oh, you know, so, awesome. so many women like don't have that experience and I just loved it. So anyways, my pregnancy was so, so wonderful. Um, my birth was interesting. I, I, um, had planned to have a home birth. Um, and we, I labored at home for 29 hours and he was just like, not, not, not coming. Um, I was, you know, actively pushing for, I think upwards of seven hours. Oh my gosh. Wow. <laughs> and, um, yeah, it, it just, anyways. Um, so we transferred mm-hmm. to the hospital and his heart rate was like, you know, bopping up and down a little bit at home, but when we got to the hospital, even more so. And so, um, long story short, they, so I, we transferred into midwifery care at our local hospital, which was amazing. So like my home birth midwife got to come with us and, you know, sort of became our doula and then transferred into a nurse midwife at the hospital. And she was amazing, like so incredible. And anyways, as his heart rate, um, was not, not doing exactly what they loved, the OB on call basically said, okay, the only way I feel comfortable with letting you to continue to try for vaginal birth is if we do it in the OR. So they wheeled me into the OR and, you know, there's the, the anesthesiologist and the NICU team, like all in the wings, which I had like no idea about at the time. I was just so focused on like, I'm not going to have a C-section. Like I'm going to have a vaginal birth, you know, at this point. Um, and so anyways, I did, I had a vaginal birth in the OR. Um, but when Oliver came out, he, I think, I mean, it was probably not probably, it was just as a traumatic of an experience for him as it was for me. And so he came out both arms like elbows up next to his ears and he was not breathing um so the I guess that's why they have the NICU team right there um the neonatal nurse practitioner and the whole NICU team you know in the OR so they immediately grabbed him and I knew well like they cut his cord immediately which I knew something was wrong because we had talked about not doing that and like all of the air in the room was just like sucked out and so they you know they put a breathing tube in him immediately first try I think those nurses are like I can't even imagine working under that kind of pressure um and so 
again, long story short, he actually had a, like a really amazing turnaround within 90 minutes. He or 75 minutes. He was had the breathing tube out, was totally responsive, crying, you know, but those first 75 minutes were like, wow, man, terrifying. I had no idea. Terrifying. Um, and of course, with the, you know, so they whisked him off to the NICU. Ben went with him. Thank goodness my home birth midwife was still in the OR. So she stayed with me in the OR as like my baby was like whisked off. I mean, it was just, it was, yeah, it was, wow. it was dramatic. Like it was absolutely dramatic. Um, but so we spent four days in the, in the hospital with him and he was, he was great. I mean, he really was like fully like the, every nurse and doctor that saw him in those first minutes and hours of his life would come by every day. And we're like, I can't believe this is the same baby. Like, this is not, this is not usually how this story goes. So, wow. and again, I mean, I have no experience with that. Um, and all I knew is think, you know, thank goodness we have a healthy baby. So he's been great. He was, he, the one amazing thing was within, so I think, you know, within two hours, which again is a long time versus my, my home birth plan, but like they put him to the boob within two hours, um, which was amazing. Cause you know, we were still like in the hospital, but they were super baby friendly and he latched right away. We've had zero breastfeeding issues, oh, which is amazing. amazing. Yeah. He's an amazing eater. Um, and so my postpartum experience, once I got home from the hospital and even in the hospital, I have to say like, that was so nothing that I, I mean, I hadn't even let my mind go there that that could be a possibility. Yeah. And then there we were, and that was our birth story. And those four days were actually super, super sweet. Like it was COVID. So we had no visitors. Mm -hmm. No, it was just like me, Ben and Oliver, like, yeah. and in the Boulder hospital, they don't have, they don't take like the baby away to a NICU. Like they, he's in the room with us the whole time. So anyways, we actually had a really sweet experience in the hospital and then coming home, you know, we did the 40 days at home and our home birth midwife came and did all of our postpartum care oh, at home. We had a Ayurvedic postpartum doula who took such amazing care of me, did the okay. massages every week and the food. And so, I mean, my postpartum experience thus far has been so amazing, honestly. And, you know, I, I think the thing I was like most scared about postpartum was sleep, right? Because that's what everyone says, like, and Ben and I love our sleep. And honestly, like, it is what it is. Like, I'm so amazed at how the body adapts, like, so amazed at how you just, your body just like does what it needs to do, you know, to keep this little being alive and nourished and loved and held. And I mean, I just couldn't believe like, I couldn't have imagined getting up in the middle of the night five, six, seven times and then being able to like get up and function the next day. Like that was so far from my reality. And yet we do it like day after day after day after day. I mean, he's getting to be actually like quite a good sleeper. And now is like maybe once a night waking up. So my sleep is so much awesome. improving. Yeah. Um, but I even look back like a few weeks ago, I'm like, that's crazy. And yet I felt fine because I think I was like, I'm still not like so blissed out phase of like loving yeah. him and loving mm. just this like new little world that we're in that in the middle of the night, when I see him, like it makes it all worth it. Yeah, you know, it does. Oh, oh. so beautiful. You guys are in such a sacred window. We are. Well, I know we've literally gone up to your last minute of yes. your availability. Amazing. So thank you so much. I love you. I'm so happy to love hear your you. story and your work. And I look to talking more and seeing you hopefully in the nearest future. 
So Perfect. I'm so happy for you and thank you for all the work that you do. Thanks it's for having me work. on. So right. fun to connect. Okay. Love you. Bye. 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 Are you ready to learn how to tap into your intuitive gifts and manifest the life you've always wanted? Welcome to Christina the Channel. In this podcast, be prepared for deep conversations around all things spirituality, wellness, business, and manifestation. Host Christina Rice is an intuitive channel, 70 energy healer, business mentor, and manifestation expert. Episodes include interviews with inspiring guests, amazing channeled messages, and Q&As with Christina. And I personally have been tuning in with her even just daily, quickly through Instagram stories, and then also listening to this podcast to support my own journey of being a spiritual worker and aligned spiritually in my work. And it's really helped me move forward in my career. And so I urge you, if you are a spiritually minded person, which most of you are listening, if you need some extra support in business or figuring out your purpose or your business moving forward after children, check out Christina and let me know what you think.